It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on Monday, September 24th after an LA Galaxy 3-0 win over the Seattle Sounders because this team is anything but predictable this season. Uh, a great win for the Galaxy. We're certainly going to talk a whole bunch about the results and the differences and lineups and all the changes and things that have happened as a result of that. And uh, certainly as we point everything towards uh, the game on Saturday and another quote-unquote must-win for the Galaxy as they'll face off against the Vancouver Whitecaps on Saturday, September 29th. So uh, a bunch of stuff to get to, but before we get to any of that, let's make sure we welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how's it going, buddy? Wow, what a night, Sunday at Stub Up Center. Anybody who wasn't there, I feel sorry for you. You missed the greatest performance of the season, Sunday at Stub Up Center. And then after the national anthem, they played a soccer game, right, which was a, a big treat as well. Miss uh, Malia Emma, seven years oh, yeah, old. Come on, try to say it. No, I, will, I, can, I didn't write it down for that reason. Mike Araujo, by the way, who's the LA Galaxy PA announcer and, of course, does the uh, the openings and closings for our show here. Mike did an unbelievable job of letting that last name. It's, it's like 13 or 14 letters, and there's a whole bunch of... Uh, you know, consonants in there that I can't make uh, make much sense of. I, I wouldn't even try, well, but yeah. Well, someone, when I tweeted out the the, uh, the girl's name, it's seven-year-old Malia Emma, just incredible. By the way, that the video of that is blowing up. It's got more than a million hits already, uh, it, less than 24 hours as we're recording this, less than, well, about 24 hours after she sang. Over a million hits. She's been on NBC, uh, the ABC Nightly News, the National News. She's everywhere. She was on the morning news locally. She's on the National News um, and, and, you know, she posed with Zolotan, got a picture with Cosmo. Um, she was amazing. But uh, when I tweeted out the, uh, the, the my take on, on her performance of the National Anthem, someone said, did a cat just walk across your keyboard? Because uh, her, as you said, her last name is so long. I, I actually, to, to get her name right, I borrowed Michael Araujo's script. <laughs> and it, he had the name written out phonetically. Yes. So, which, of course, you would expect. But yes. I mean, oh my God! That after that national anthem, and and if again, if you weren't there and you didn't hear it, you probably heard it by now. But if you haven't, go on and Google it. The Galaxy have a video up of it. When that national anthem finished, the the press box for one gave a standing ovation, and we don't stand for anything or anybody. Right. Um, we didn't even stand, I don't think, for Zlatan's two goal performance against LAFC. Not that we're allowed to cheer, but uh, that was an exciting moment. The, the, the entire press box stood and applauded. And a couple of people jokingly turned to me and started packing up their computers and saying, that's it. We're not going to see anything better than that tonight. Let's go home. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Actually, uh, John Strong on the Fox broadcast actually made the same joke uh, with, and him being not in the press box. Uh, it was sort of a uh, an understanding. The, the crazy thing is, and everybody goes, well, of course she got a standing ovation. It was the uh, national anthem, Kevin. Uh, but we sat down because the anthem was over and then Michael Araujo, PA announcer extraordinaire, uh, uh, sort of did the, the ending announcement announcement and said, you know, thanked her for coming on and the entire stadium's on its feet still clapping. And then the press got back up and stood and clapped. And like I said, I've never seen that happen. Uh, now, well, now she's I, been singing since she's one, uh, which I, my son wasn't even talking when he was one. He hadn't shut up since then, but he wasn't talking when he was one. Anyway, she's been singing since she was one. Um, and, uh, um, 
well, I guess my son might have been talking by then. He certainly wasn't walking. But she's been singing since she was one. And she told, she said on the ABC News that um, she wanted to do a great job. And she said not because of, just because it was a Galaxy game. She said because it was a very special song, the National Anthem, a very special song for America. She's seven years old. Her sneakers have Velcro on them. I don't know if she knows how to tie shoelaces yet. But um, the voice was it was insane. I mean, I, I, I had goosebumps. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was and afterwards fun. you could even see some of the players, uh, you know, Zalatan giggling and, and applauding at one point, um, a video I saw during the national anthem, Mola Kamara just basically rolls his eyes. Like he couldn't believe what he was hearing. Right. No, it was great. And, and just to follow up, uh, she had, of course, Velcro sneakers, just like you have Velcro sneakers. So it all works out. <laughs> That's, That's true. That is how That's it works. True. Uh, the, maybe not, maybe she was the surprise that started everything there, Kevin, certainly. Uh, but guess you need to bring her back. She's a good luck charm. They, they do, but you have to imagine they already have. And, and I said this, that, you know, they should bring her back for every galaxy game to close out the season, but you have to imagine they already have those books. So if, by some miracle upon miracles, and we're certainly going to go into it. Uh, the Galaxy make the playoffs. You have to imagine there's an open space there for the playoffs. And if they, if the Galaxy ever get a home game in the playoffs, which is the miracle of miracles of miracles on top of that, if the Galaxy got a home game somewhere in a playoff position as well, uh, you'd have to imagine they'd get her back for that. Well, wouldn't that be cool, though? I mean, one year the St. Louis Cardinals uh, had a, a rally to finish the season and went to the World Series, and it all started when the squirrel ran on the field, and so they adopted the rally squirrel as their mascot. You know, if the Galaxy do take off and make it to the playoffs and then do have a home game— wouldn't Malia Emma have to be the mascot? I, I would I would think so. I mean, you know, she she was out there. Anyway, so national anthem wise, like I said, it was it was outstanding. It was great. Um, and then Dominic Kinnear puts out a lineup that had a bunch of us scratching our head and asking questions and find, trying to find out where players went and what happened. But uh, Kinnear put out a lineup, Kevin, uh, that was minus Jorgen Shelvik, who I believe had played in every game the season so far. Um, and he did not play because he had the flu. So you got something you haven't seen since 2017. You got Daniel Stairs and Dave Romney, center backs, paired together right there in the middle of the field with Ashley Cole and Rolf Felcher on the outside. So you got something that we have not seen. Um, and as a matter of fact, we went back and, and Larry Morgan actually checked it. it since September 10th of 2017. There was a 1-1 draw in Seattle. That was the last time that Daniel Starris and Dave Romney played side by side next to each other. And it was a game that Daniel Starris actually fractured his back if you remember correctly. So it was a game that uh, put him out of playing for a little while, and certainly Dan Starris has not been playing a whole bunch this season, uh, but you, you put those two in the center back. The other sort of missing piece in this lineup here was Perry Kitchen, Kevin. Perry Kitchen not being part of this lineup, and in fact, it was only the second game that he did not play in this year. So him not being in the starting lineup was was a little bit of a surprise there. He was on the bench and was available. You had uh, Giovanni Dos Santos who was injured, Bradford Jameson who was injured. Wait, and, wait, yeah. Giovanni Dos Santos was injured? Really? I I had I had trouble actually remembering that he was on this team, so it, it's not a big deal. Uh, but he was injured and uh, Chris Pontius injured, Jameson injured, yeah, Gio injured. Those were the three that were injured and out for injury reasons. And again, uh, Shelvick with the flu. The other thing is they played a four four two, which. Um, you know, that's a basic formation. Everyone grows up playing the 4-4-2. And, and the Galaxy have tried something. They had a great success midway through the season with the three-man back line. They've tried some exotic lineups. Ziggy Schmidt told me one of the reasons they did that is they kind of worked from the back. It's like, okay, Zlatan has to be a striker. Where does Ola fit in? And then you could sort of work back. And at one point, he wound up with a three-man back line. But my point on this is this is the formation, uh, you know, one of the formations they worked in 
uh, in the offseason a lot in offseason training camp. They also worked with uh, Ola as a as a lone striker. But they, you know, I think Dominic Kinnear looked at this and said, "Let's just go back to basics. Let's try to be stop trying to be fancy. Let's stop trying to to, to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. This is put up or shut up time. We're just going to go back to basics. This is you know like a football team. The drawing plays up in the dirt and let's just see what happens. And it. You know, I we joke about the national anthem, but it really was the the game itself really was one of the maybe not the best performance of the year, but among the best performances, certainly the best performance since July because they also got a shutout. And the defense, which has been hemorrhaging goals, eleven goals in the last two games. In this game, only one shot on goal. David Bingham only had to make one save. I mean, he. Uh, I hope he bought his uh, backline dinner because it was an easy night for him. I was going to say, I, I don't think he has to buy the backline dinner. I think that they probably still owe him many dinners from all the stuff that's been happening so far. But as you know, Kevin, I do do the projections of goals against and goals for for the Galaxy for, for every game. It's a new chart I sort of added in the last maybe two or three weeks. Uh, so now through 30 games played, uh, the Galaxy have scored 57. They have conceded 59. And that gives a projection through 34 games, so through the full season, of 64.6 goals projected to be scored and giving up 66.9 goals on the defensive side. Uh, the 66.9 is now below the 67 that they gave up last year. Now, I'm not saying they're out of the woods, Kevin, but what you're seeing right now from the Galaxy and just average goals that they've given up across every game and projecting that out now means that there is a possibility, uh, a possibility that you and I, I, I don't think was, poss- was, was something that could happen uh, just a couple weeks ago, that the Galaxy might not give up as many goals as they gave up last year. Well, if you're going to go negative and talk about records, I, I will add another negative stat that the Galaxy right now, um, after going eight, 18 and 8 last year, this year they're uh, this year they they are 11, 11, and, and 8, meaning they've lost 11 games. In the last two seasons, they have lost 29 games. That is ties the record for most losses in a two-season span for the Galaxy. They did it a couple of times. Um, that means one more loss in the last four games, and they set a record for most losses over a two-year period. I know that's a little bit of an esoteric thing. Um, but it's important when you talk about the minus two goal differential, if it, looking at the statistics going forward, of course, if the Galaxy play another game like this one, then all of a sudden the goal differential changes. But right now the goal differential is, as you said, minus two. If they win another game three to nothing, then it's plus one. The goal differential is going to be very important when we get – we'll talk in a bit about the playoff scenarios, but the goal differential is very important because the two teams, the Galaxy – I think we have to sort of set Seattle aside. They play five more games. They're uh, of the teams the Galaxy are closest to: Portland, uh, Salt Lake, and Seattle. Seattle has a game in hand. Portland and Salt Lake are both at 30 with the Galaxy. Seattle plays five more games. None of the teams they play have more than eight wins. So I think Seattle, we can, even though they're the closest team to the Galaxy, we can almost kind of say that they may be out of range. Portland and, and Real Salt Lake have tough schedules, and the important thing is Real Salt Lake's goal differential is zero. Portland's goal differential is one, and the Galaxy minus two. They're within range. You get up a little higher in the standings. Dallas's goal differential is plus 11. Sporting Kansas City is plus 18. LAFC is plus 14. Even Seattle is plus five. So really the two teams that I think the Galaxy have the best chance of catching, one of the two would be the Portland or Real Salt Lake, and their goal differential is also well within reach. Yeah, it is. So again, it's going to come down to tiebreakers. More, it very well could. And as you're looking down the the list for the Galaxy here, that's sort of what we're keeping an eye on. But uh, to go back to the lineups, you look: Jonathan Dos Santos paired with Sebastian Lejet. 
Uh, a midfield pairing we haven't seen a bunch of in terms of just those two in the center. Usually Perry Kitchen is in, in, the, in there as a defensive midfielder. But Jonathan Dos Santos tasked with being the the box-to-box and defensive midfielder type of guy and Sebastian Lejet giving that, that cam role, the central attacking midfielder role, and was a little bit further in front of Jonathan Dos Santos uh, on most occasions. Although, uh, for my money, and in this game, Kevin, uh, there was no better player on the field uh, although he came in a, a close first, just barely above my second best player on the field. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, for me, was the best player on the field uh, for the Galaxy. What he was able to do in midfield, both defensively and offensively, and a lot of it was getting the ball from the defenders, turning and running into space that Seattle was allowing. And and if, listen, there's going to be a part of this where you have to understand the Galaxy played very well. I'm also going to tell you that the Sounders were tired, lethargic and they played poorly through the midfield uh, and they had a lot of injury problems too and yeah and they had in, that. yeah they actually do absolutely had injury problems and i'm sure roman torres is is a, you know a a step down from chad marshall in terms of the defense and the galaxy with Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Ola Kamara really did some good jobs uh, of pinning the center backs uh, back into uh, their own side of the field and, and putting them under pressure. And you saw it from the goals that were scored because of yeah, that. Yeah, high line too. Galaxy took a high line. The, the, the defensive line was right at the midfield stripe. So they actually played sort of a half court game. Um, but who is, who is your second best player? Did Dave, you say Dave, that? Dave Did Romney. You say that? Yeah, no, I didn't say Dave it. Dave Romney? Dave Romney was, I think, it, between Jonathan Dos Santos and Dave... Jonathan Dos Santos gets the nod because of what he was able to do on both sides. Uh, Dave Romney, of course, being a defender, played... Uh, the anticipation, the direction, the defending ability... Um, work rate. The work Very rate. Yeah, the work rate. Everything you saw from Dave Romney was made it one of his best games. I think we talked about him having a great game against LAFC, Kevin, uh, whenever the, the last LAFC game. And for me, this game was better than that, just in terms of his anticipation. And if you're going to have that from defenders, then there's no reason that you switch anything. Because I thought Daniel Stairs also made some really timely stops, but deferred to Dave. Dave was the aggressor. Dave went out and challenged, and Dan was sort of the backup there. They had a great understanding, and I think they played 35 games together before this, and uh, I think Dom Kinnear was saying this was their 36th, and that he expected it to be a, a good one between them. And really, the familiarity back there and the chemistry that you had um, with everybody, it was a great performance against what can be at times a dangerous Seattle offense, um, although they've struggled to score goals sometimes too. So you look at all those things and, and put all those things in line. For me, Jonathan Dos Santos and Dave Romney, and what do you know, Kevin? That's down the spine. Uh, the spine of the LA Galaxy, something that has been soft and has been porous and has been something that we constantly complain about. Between those two be, between those two players, Dave Romney, Jonathan Dos Santos, and throw in Daniel Starrs in there as well, and a little bit of Sebastian Legette, the spine for the LA Galaxy in this game was strong. It showed, and they, they outworked and outmatched uh, Seattle on the night. Yeah, and and don't forget, uh, Dave Romney is also a big friend of the pod. Of, of course, I. But I, I mean, I, even separating that, I, I'm going to tell you right now that Dave Romney was had a great night. Um, we were joking before the before the game, Kevin, and, and and a bunch of reporters and it's stuff we like to talk about is who is your defender of the year. And so, um, you know, looking at all of the different defenders that have been in play and going through it, the hardest thing to do is to find a defender of the year. And a lot of times you can go into the midfield whenever you really have a problem with, with defenders, Kevin. But you're not going to give it, in my opinion, to, to Perry Kitchen. And I'm not going to give it to Jonathan Dos Santos, even though I think he's been a very, maybe the second best player on this team this year. That's crazy that people are going to scream and shout about that. I know, absolutely. But Jonathan Dos Santos at behind Zlatan Ibrahimovic, maybe Ola Kamara takes second. Maybe Jonathan slurred, but looking at all those things and and the different 
you know, permeations there. Maybe Dave Romney is the defender of the year for the Galaxy this year. With all the different positions he's played, it's beginning to be, you know, maybe it's not the best individual performance of ever in the history of, you know, the LA Galaxy. But in terms of what he's been able to do this season, Dave Romney has been a solid defender for the Galaxy on a defense that has been anything but solid. Well, for a for a Pato, you sure have a short memory because I said that I think last week or the week before that I think Dave Romney has been the defender of the year and and uh, for that well for two reasons one is because there really hasn't been a standout defender I don't think uh, this season not on a team that's given up as many goals as they've given up but also because of the fact that he's moved from position to position he's tried it as a winger he's played all all four positions uh, traditional positions along the back line he's played on a winger I think on both sides uh, and he's played a ton of games he's been versatile and he's he has played well and and he's had some the lafc game and and this last game had uh, you know a couple or more stellar performances so it hasn't been like he's just been serviceable he's had some real real step up performances and then he's been solid in the rest of the games and again he's had that versatility because they've had injuries you know felcher's been injured ashley cole missed i think three games this year i think the suspensions um you know siani's been hurt so dave romney's played everywhere and he's played well yeah he really has and it's again on a defense that struggled he's he's been a good and a bright spot there but um just the pairings here i, I think the pairings are interesting and dominic Kinnear got it right and you know, some certainly there's people on uh, Facebook and Reddit and everywhere else, Kevin, that are pointing out that you know one of the big cons- constant pieces in the Galaxy's defense through 29 games has been Jorgen Shelvik and the fact that they've struggled basically throughout most of that time. Um, you know, people certainly are pointing at Shelvik being a possibility. You know, of of maybe he was the issue. I don't believe that, and I'll, I'll tell you, the Galaxy had six shutouts before this game, uh, so he was part of those six shutouts as well, so you can't just say it was all horrible and everything was bad. Um, so, you know, looking at the shutout and looking at how things went down against Seattle, you have to say it was a great defensive performance, but they also had a great defensive performance against Columbus um, whenever they beat them 4-0, and that wasn't that long ago, July 7th, whenever that happened, the last time the Galaxy had a shutout. So, I agree there was something that we all saw when it comes to the defense and Dave Romney and Daniel Starez and really the the midfield as well, Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette. There's something there. The bottom line is, though, it was one game, and can you make a bunch of decisions off of one game and a lineup that you put in one game? And I should point out Emmanuel Boateng also in the starting lineup here, I think for the first time since uh, September. No, that wasn't it wasn't the September. It was against uh, Seattle earlier, the 5 nothing loss actually to Seattle on uh, August 18th. That was the last time Emmanuel Boateng started. That was the last time Daniel Starez started in that game. So... Again, you look at the people and the personnel who are in this, and it worked out well for the day, but now the question sort of is already begging, Kevin, is, you know, if you're Dominic Kinnear, do you make any changes going against Vancouver, or did the team learn something, and now they want to make sure that they keep that momentum going with the same players? Well, a couple of things. First of all, I think you play the hot hand. At this time of the year when you, there are no mistakes, you can't, you can't experiment anymore. You can't throw things out there and see, gee, will this pairing work? I think, I think you need to go with the same lineup, especially, you know, maybe, maybe uh, if Gio <laughs> is ready to play, mm-hmm. uh, make myself laugh with that one. But maybe, maybe, maybe Boateng comes off. But the back line especially needs to stay the way it is. Um, because Steris and Romney had that great chemistry, and you only get that from playing with each other. Um, by the way, I, I know this is something that that you've talked about uh, at length this year. 
Um, the salary of the center backs that were on the bench, well, not even on the bench, in the stands on Sunday with Siani and Shelvick out, that they, they're making $1,620,000. And if you look at uh, Dave Romney and Daniel Starris, they are making combined $206,000. So there's a big difference between those two as far as the salaries go. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you got to win, so it really doesn't matter what you, how much salary you were paying to sit on, on the sidelines. You still got to win. But it's just interesting and how, looking at how the the uh, MLS and the Galaxy value defenders. I mean, foreign to, if you look at the defenders that are getting the, 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 the big money, and there aren't many, but the ones that are, are all foreigners. The American defender seems to be overlooked, uh, underpriced, sort of uh, abused in a certain way. Um, so you, and, and you might say, well, Shelvick is actually a better player than Daniel Sturris. But you know what? Daniel Sturris is a better uh, paired uh, player with Dave Romney. So I, I don't know. I think you got to go with what happened that that would convince you not to use this lineup again. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I would I wouldn't change a darn thing. I wouldn't change anything. I don't care who gets healthy. You can move people back onto the bench. If Gio's healthy enough to be on the bench, you can start there, and you know that's great. And maybe he sees some time. Maybe you don't even put him in the starting, you know, 18 or in the 18 man roster. But I mean, looking at all these things, you sort of look at how the Galaxy were able to attack things. They had chemistry. I'll tell you this right now: that was the best passing game the Galaxy have had all year by far. Wasn't close wasn't even something that you can really discuss. One touch passes out of, one touch passes out of trouble. Um, you know, uh, tight space passing, switching the field, opening up opening up play. You just look at the fact I, and I this was very evident right away. The LA Galaxy were playing with a confidence that they shouldn't have because they haven't won enough games to be able to go in there and and really play with the confidence. But they were playing in a con- with a confidence that was allowing them, Kevin, to bypass Zlatan Ibrahimovic, which they should be doing on occasion. But there were times where somebody made a pass to somebody who was, you know, I think uh, maybe it was Ola Kamara or maybe it was Jonathan Dos Santos actually picked out Ima Boateng instead of passing to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Both were open even probably in a little bit better position. But whenever you look at it in the decision-making, if that's, you know, a couple games ago, the Galaxy are passing to Zlatan Ibrahimovic every time. Zlatan was used as a decoy so well in a lot of the passing, especially around the box. And he got in on the passing. I mean, Zlatan got his, his goal, his 18th goal for the LA Galaxy, number 501 on his career. And Kevin, I'll let you uh, say what uh, tell everybody what you told him uh, told him after uh, after the game in the in the locker room whenever uh, whenever he was leaving the media scrum. But before I get that, he gets his 18th of the year, uh, 501st of his career. Uh, the it was a from a penalty kick, but he was involved in it. It was a Felcher ball that uh, Felcher fought for and, and got the ball back on the right hand side. Felcher got the ball into Kamara. Kamara to Zlatan. Zlatan back to Kamara. Nice little slip. Brad Smith, the Sounders, pulled down Ola Kamara for the penalty kick, and Zlatan buried the penalty kick all those things were great but it was just Zlatan was being used perfectly last night which was he was given a chance and I think he had three total shots Uh, a couple of them got blocked but whenever you look at it he was given a chance to create he was given a chance to pass Seattle was pressuring him and when they collapsed on him he passed the ball and he gave it away Um, and he gave it away to other Galaxy players who were in dangerous positions. So all the talk about, you know, overusing Zlatan or sometimes relying on him too much, in this game it was the right balance. And it's not just because they scored three goals. You could see them working and dodging, and and Ola Kamara for his work rate and what he was able to do on the goal that he scored as well, just the fact that he orbits around Zlatan Ibrahimovic when it's going well, he orbits around him so well. Um, It's just one of those things you keep looking at, and it's a development and a maturity of the galaxy, and 
I don't know. I don't want to blow this game out of proportion, Kevin, but for me, something clicked in this game for the Galaxy that they realized that they were the better team. Um, yeah, but again, you, you wait 30 games for that to happen. Uh, you're right about Zlatan, though. That Bob Bradley says all the time that, that what people don't realize about Zlatan is he's a very good passer. He set up the first goal. Again, as you said, he had the ball back to the goal very close. It was looked like a definite situation where he was going to spin and shoot, but they collapsed on him, and so what he did is he gave up the ball. People talk about Zlatan being a selfish player, most strikers are, and he is selfish at times. But on this occasion, he gave up the ball to Ola Kamara, and that set up the penalty kick. It, it was a pass that uh, was made uh, you know, in, in such a place where only Ola could get to it. The only way to defend it turned out to be to knock Ola down, and that led to the penalty kick. So Zlatan so got the goal, kind of got an assist. You can't give an assist on that, I know. But, I mean, he set up the goal. The second goal, um, Zlatan ran a give-and-go with uh, Roman Alessandrini, and the pass was so good he wound up getting the hockey assist that he got the second assist. Roman got the first assist after passing to Ola. Uh, who scored the goal? Another, and then the third, the third goal. Zlatan had nothing to do with it. Really, it was a mistake on on the Seattle and Roman Torres missed a clearance, and the ball fell right to Ima Boateng, who admitted he was surprised the ball came to him, and he was able to knock it in. But another thing on that second goal, if you look at the replay, if it goes back far enough, uh, Alessandrini is coming down the left side, and he's clearly offside. He's calling for the ball, and then he realizes he's offside, uh, and he actually stops and sort of turns toward the toward the sideline knowing that he's offside it was a situation where i think the seattle defender should have just let the ball roll out of bounds there really wasn't anybody near them instead the seattle defender runs behind ola or runs behind roman then now alessandrini is onside again that's where he picks up the ball passes to zlatan that set up the goal i think that was another mistake by the seattle defense it's, it actually wasn't so so you can't actually get back onside by a defender running in front of you or back and and side, you're either onside or you're offside so what actually happened and because and I will certainly point this out to Major League Soccer because they suck at doing replays um, and they suck at showing replays of games. Um, in fact, it's one of the worst things that Major League Soccer does is put together a replay and make sure, Kevin, it doesn't matter if it's a one nothing game or a 17 nothing game. Those replays are going to be four minutes long. Um, so one of the things they did was actually cut out the fact that Ramon Alessandrini wasn't offside and that there was actually a Seattle defender on the far side of the field who kept him on. And that's why. Now, he thought he was offside for a second. And so and he definitely did because you could see him look up and then and then sort of turn back. I mean, there's no way I don't think he he saw the defender on the on the other side. He didn't. He didn't see it. And he so he thought he was offside. So he stopped going for the ball and Seattle stopped going for the ball as well. So then Roman is sort of like, OK, well, I'll just pick up the ball. And so he picks up the ball and they don't raise the flag. He's like, well, if you're not going to raise the flag, we're going to go. And there was a VAR review on this. And, and it wasn't one where the center referee went over and took a look at it. But they went and reviewed the goal uh, in terms of, you know, whether Roman was onside way, way, way early in the play. Because the ball actually comes back down to the corner. It goes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic and back to back to Roman. And Roman hits it across the goal and Ola Kamara. So the, the, the story of this is that VAR worked correctly, that Roman was not offside, even though he thought he was and so did Seattle thought he was, but he wasn't. Um, and either the play was too close to overturn or he was indeed onside. And so that's why that play was able to stand. So it was it was one of those, you know, again, a little weird, a little strange in how it happened. But bottom line is, you know, Ramon doesn't stop playing there. And because he doesn't, you know, the LA Galaxy get a goal eventually out of it. So speaking of weird things, I'm still looking at the salary table here. There's a couple that jump out at me. You know, Baggio makes $174,999 
and 96 cents. He's four cents away from 175,000. And I think I found where that four cents is because Jonathan Dos Santos's salary is two million dollars and four cents. Yep, that's uh, clearly Baggio had to give him four cents. They had the, the so those two players together. You add that together, and it comes to a a whole dollar amount. Who comes up with salaries at nine hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety six cents? Are two million dollars and four cents? You know, a lot of time, a lot of times, and and sometimes the reason that it happens, I know it's a, you're, you're joking, and and it's one of those things, but a lot of times it has to do with the salary cap number, and and like a whole dollar that comes down to they need to be right on the salary cap number. You know, it has to be that close, and in order to do that, you may have to adjust somebody's. And it, what's one of those things for the agent? You're like, listen, uh, I'm gonna give him. Uh, more than, uh, or it's something you can tell the player. Hey, you're getting pay- paid more than two million dollars, Jonathan Dos Santos. Congr- congratulations. You know, Bingham so. also has two hundred seventy-five thousand and four cents. The four cents, with uh, I think you're right. Somewhere that the two four cents add with Husidich and gets to a, a whole dollar amount. Another uh, for the European players. Another time. Uh, another thing with some of the weird salary numbers is it's just the uh, um, uh, the exchange rate with the euro. There you player, go. Player asks for a contract in euros, and then it exchanges to dollars, and it's a... Yep, it's absolutely one of those things. Uh, just a highlight, of course, Jonathan Dos Santos and the success that he had. He had 32 passes. That was the team high. 96.9% completion rate. Um, he took on some dribbles. He did a good job. Again, a good job in the midfield. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a good night. Ola Kamara had a good night. I thought Sebastian Lejet was hit and miss on the night. Uh, if you're talking about players that I wasn't thrilled with, him and Rolf Felcher for me were sort of my two sort of question marks in terms of how they played overall. But I think the Legette and Jonathan Dos Santos pairing is good. So I think that's a that's a good way to look and look at it and, and see that continue on. Um, you know, the, the defense played well. I thought Ashley Cole was actually kind of quiet on the night, but played well enough that uh, certainly didn't have any problems. Listen, Seattle, Kevin, did not really challenge David Bingham at all. Uh, you have the one shot on goal that he sort of had to pay attention to. Outside of that, I think they had 14 total shots, only yeah, one shot on goal. And I think that shows the defense did their job. No, it, it does. It not only shows that the defense did their job, it also shows uh, the one thing I kept saying was, and I remember Siggy Schmidt saying this uh, while he was still with the Galaxy, he said, we don't block enough shots, right? Uh, and I, every time the Galaxy block a shot now, I'm, I sort of think, oh, Siggy would be happy with that. I think the Galaxy had three or four block shots on the night. Uh, did well, and re- the other thing is they, they kept Seattle wide. Seattle never really got to penetrate the, the box in, in any real manner. They had one good shot, Will Bruin, that to- he totally missed a header that he should have scored on. But other than that, it, you know, the shots they had came from very wide angles, and, and it, they, they were never able to get it on frame. Yeah, it was a, again. It was a, it was altogether really good performance from the Galaxy, and and you know at the time with their backs up against the wall in a really a must win because if they would have lost, you're looking at a team that that would be uh, completely eliminated from the playoffs right now. All right, and so so speaking of playoffs, clearly you have to uh, go back and and we have to start where we've sort of been basing all of our playoff talk here, Kevin, going with 538.com and seeing what percentage chances the LA Galaxy have now entering the week. Uh, which I had highlighted many times on Twitter and something that I sort of watch as midweek games get played. Um, the LA Galaxy had a 9% chance, um, excuse me, an 8% chance of making the playoffs before this game started. So only 8% single digits, and it had fallen from 11% down to 9%, down to 8% after midweek. Uh, after the win, and it's not just this win, it's other things that happened, but after the win uh, and after this week, the LA Galaxy now have a 20% chance 
according to 538.com. And it's, as I said, as I alluded to, it's a multitude of factors, which is the Galaxy winning. Uh, it was certainly that RSL lost. It was certainly that Vancouver lost to Dallas. Um, and it was that Portland lost whenever they went and played uh, at Minnesota. So you add up all of those things, and that gets the LA Galaxy a 20% chance. And where, where that really got taken out of, because if you go and look at the, uh, at the actual standings and, and where everything lies there, um, if you go look at where 538.com has the percentages, you can see that the person, the team that really took the hit was the Vancouver Whitecaps, Kevin, who were at 24% before this weekend and now are at 10%. And that's really where the majority of the Galaxy's points come from because if you look at Real Salt Lake, they still have an 82% chance to get into the playoffs. Uh, the Galaxy at 20%. Uh, you have Portland at 91%. And you have Seattle at 96%. That's even after the loss. So again, we talked about the teams that we were sort of talking about and looking at. The Galaxy jumps Vancouver. They play Vancouver this weekend to give themselves some distance, but really it's about points because head-to-head-wise now, through the rest of the season, they do not get a chance to play Real Salt Lake. They don't get a chance to play Portland, um, and they don't get a chance to play Seattle anymore. So you're, you're looking at just picking up points and hoping that other teams drop at this point. Well, uh, yeah, I, I think Vancouver's gone. I, I just don't, you know, the, the schedule they have left and the fact that they'd have to pass the Galaxy and then somebody else. When you look at the, the teams ahead of the Galaxy, there are five of them. I think Dallas is, is gone. They're, they're Right now they're 12 points ahead. The Galaxy have 12 points available. I just don't don't see them catching them. Certainly, uh, the Salt, uh, Sporting Kansas City, 51 points. That's 10 points away. I don't see the Galaxy catching them. I don't see the Galaxy catching LAFC either. They're in third at 50. So realistically, and Seattle, by the way, it's, you know, Seattle has lost two in a row. And the question with Seattle, I think, uh, they've had some injury problems. How long those injuries linger? You said they were exhausted. They had a midweek game at home with Philadelphia and then had to fly down. Um, is this, you know, I have to ask yourself with the Sounders, is this a, a funk? Have they hit the skids again? They're certainly capable of playing poorly for a number of games in a row. They did that at the beginning of the season. Yes, they had that nine-game winning streak, but uh, – they also prove they can lose in bunches too. So you ask yourself with Seattle, is this indicative of where they're going or they, they, they hit a bump in the road? Because they have a game in hand on the Galaxy. They have five games left. They have 15 points available. Galaxy only have 12 points available. And they don't play a team with more than eight wins. So they, they play Orlando City. They play Colorado. They play San Jose. They play Houston. Um, they play some bad teams. And so you have to think – that Seattle is going to get the points that they need. They have they go have a three point edge right now and a game in hand. They look pretty good. Portland and, and uh, Real Salt Lake both play the same number of games as the Galaxy. They both have four left. The Galaxy play Vancouver at home. Uh, I, I like the Galaxy in that one. They play Sporting Kansas City on the road. That's going to be a tough one because the Galaxy never has ever played well in Kansas City, even going back to Arrowhead Stadium. Then they play Minnesota on that terrible turf in Minnesota. Zalatan comes into play right here. Does he go? I, I think he goes on that trip. I don't think he starts on the turf, but I think the Galaxy need to take him. And if they're losing late in the game, Zalatan comes on. I think he has to play in that game despite the turf. So then they go to Minnesota. That's a, a, a push. That's a tough game because of the turf. Then they come home and they finish with Houston. So two of their four games left are at home. Three of the four are winnable. I don't think the, the Sporting Kansas City game is winnable. Um and Portland and Real Salt Lake ahead of them. Portland plays number one, uh, uh, Dallas. They played Dallas, the first place team in the conference. They play Real Salt Lake, the team uh, that they're fighting for a playoff spot with. They play them twice, home and away, and then they play Vancouver. So they have four playoff, four teams fighting for the playoffs right now. Um, 
That's Portland's schedule. Real Salt Lake plays Sporting Kansas City. They play Portland twice, and they have New England at home. Um, the, the thing with those two teams, yes, they're ahead of the Galaxy right now. With the As we talked about, with the goal differential, they're close. Um, both those teams play terribly on the road, and they play really good at home. Portland at home is 10-2-3. They've lost twice at home, won 10 games. They're 3-7-5 on the road. Um, Real Salt Lake is... 10-1-4. and four. They've only lost once on the road at home, rather. That was the first home game of the year against LAFC. On the road, they're 3-10-2. So if you look at that and say, okay, well, they should win their two home games, that might be enough to put them out uh, out of reach from the Galaxy. For Portland, two ho- uh, home wins would give them 53 points. For RSL, that would give them 51. So what the Galaxy has to hope for is that they win the three of the four games that we predict they win to get the 50 points and that both Portland and RSL do not win both of their home games. That's the best chance for the Galaxy. Is it a way forward? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. It's going to be difficult, though. And the the big thing is with the Galaxy, the position the Galaxy really do not want to be in is they need help um, because they don't play any of these teams. They need help from other teams to knock off the teams in front of them. I mean, I mean, the good news is that those teams do play each other, as you sort of sort of looked at. So yeah, there, twice. Yeah, there will be winners, there will be losers of these games. I mean, even looking at RSL coming up, and they are at Sporting Kansas City. That's a game RSL should lose. It's on the road, and it's against a really good Sporting Kansas City team. So if the Galaxy are looking at making up, I mean, bottom line for Galaxy, and I got I got reprimanded. Uh, on uh, on different social media for continuing, I, I guess this this fallacy to some people that the galaxy could possibly be in, involved in a playoff race down the stretch. That the season was already over, and how dare I look do a game preview that says the galaxy, if they want to make the playoffs, need to beat Seattle. Um, so they did, and now all of a sudden everybody sees the light on the playoffs that the Galaxy do have a chance. They've always had the chance. We've talked about them winning out multiple times. We don't say it because we don't think it's true. We know the odds. We've been giving you the odds of the percentages of what the Galaxy are doing, and right now, I said miracle upon miracles for the Galaxy to make the playoffs. Um, you know, looking at all those things, it's still highly unlikely the Galaxy make the playoffs and losing any game, really, even the one at Sporting Kansas City. Although one game probably doesn't completely eliminate them mathematically, uh, you want to you get eliminated mathematically, lose to Vancouver uh, this weekend because that's a game that really you need to win. Um, yeah, but it, it doesn't totally... I, I mean, know, this, I know it doesn't. Th- yeah, I know. It doesn't totally eliminate them. This game, as Dom was saying before the Seattle game, uh, Dominic Kinnear was saying that this game is really important because... If they lose to Seattle, it doesn't mathematically eliminate them, but they're out of the conversation. And as he said last night, they're back in the conversation. So this give, it gave them a lot of hope. This, I thought, was a game that they were going to lose. When I did the, these matchups a couple of weeks ago, if you remember, I had the Galaxy squeaking into the playoffs. I had them finishing in a tie with um, Real Salt Lake on points and going in on goal differential. That's still a possibility. But what the Seattle win does for them uh, because it was a six-point game and and it swung in the Galaxy's favor, I think what that does for them, it, there's really not a lot of room for error. But if they lose the Vancouver game, um, or, or even if they draw it, they still have a chance. There's still, even more than mathematically there, there's still reason to hope because of Portland and RSL playing home and away against one another. There's still a chance that they could sneak in. I mean, if one of those teams loses both of those games, you know, then all of a sudden, either Portland or Real Salt Lake, whichever one loses both, that team comes back to the Galaxy in a big way. So even if they don't do well at Vancouver, 
they could still win. But then then all of a sudden you need to beat Sporting Kansas, Kansas City. City. The good thing about that, though, is it takes the Galaxy through the international break into the last two games of the season with a chance. If they had lost the Seattle game, um, the season would be over and they'd start planning for next year already. Yeah, I mean, some, you, you brought out something that's going to be really interesting and, and possibly one of those weird things is that whoever wins the game between Real Salt Lake and Portland, uh, you want that person to win again whenever it comes down to it. So that way you can take six points exactly, from whichever exactly. team. Great point. You don't that's want them to split point. points at any point. And you don't want, I mean, I guess maybe two draws wouldn't be horrible because that's two points and technically you lose four points there. But I mean, it's better if one team wins both games for the Galaxy than it would be to have two draws or for them to split and go three and three and really they treaded water instead of losing six, they only lost three. Uh, and again, all predicated on the LA Galaxy really winning, beating Vancouver, which I think they can do. Um, a draw against Sporting Kansas City might you might be what gets them into the playoffs, Kevin. If it, if it goes down and they win their last two games, you could look at that game against Sporting Kansas City as being important. And then you have two teams that are out of the playoff race, uh, Minnesota and Houston, to finish out the season. It's going to be that Minnesota game is shaping up to be such a bear of a game. Yeah, um, that's going to be huge. I mean, if Sporting Kansas City wins their next one, by the time they get to the Galaxy, they've clinched the playoff spot. All they're really playing for is is whether they're first or second in the conference, which, yes, is a big deal, but it may not be a big enough deal to play uh, injured or tired players. So you may get a little bit of a soft opponent in that game. But you're right, that Minnesota game, because how do you play the worst turf in the league? Uh, Zlatan clearly is your team. You lose him to injury. Don't even bother showing up to the playoffs And you know, in, in some ways. So that's a huge game. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and they're all big from here on out. I mean, Dominic Kinnear commented on it. I think I thought my question to, to Dom after the game was was kind of fun, and, and just to paraphrase, you know, his response, I asked him, I go, I know you don't get any bonus points for getting a shutout, but, you know, does that give you a little bit more momentum and a little bit more confidence headed into Vancouver? And his, his you know, paraphrased response was, yeah, it does, because it showed that we can do it. Uh, we know we can do it, and we know we can, we know we can defend, we know we can play well, we know we can score three goals and not allow any. I mean, all that stuff sort of comes into play. You saw what they did against Seattle. A good Seattle team, you know, good for certain. They were on a 12-game unbeaten streak, and a nine game winning streak before Philadelphia beat them late uh, and maybe Philadelphia broke their spirit you don't know I mean Seattle is an up and down team just a lot like the Galaxy have been an up and down team this year uh, certainly Jekyll and Hyde and I will tell you this uh, I, there's no predicting LA Galaxy games this year. I have no idea which team is going to show up and which team doesn't. I had the Galaxy losing probably 4-1 or 4-2 in this game and they won it 3-0 convincingly 3-0. Well you know a couple things is, is remember when the Galaxy went there not all that long ago they went there without Zolotan but it wasn't all that long ago they lost five to nothing. It was that game wasn't even that close. It could have been. It could have. I think that was the game that could have been easily eight to nothing. Yeah. Um, Ship scored a goal in that game. He didn't play. He was injured. Didn't make the trip. Uh, nor did Chad Marshall, who also scored a goal in that game. And then Seattle lost another player to injury in the game. So they were without three starters, but before the midway point of the first half, um, which might figure in some of this. But then you also, uh, you know, again, you got to figure in. Is Seattle, is this a bump in the road or they've taken a, a, a real serious downturn after playing so well all summer? A couple of things we forgot to do, by the way. You 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 wanted me to mention what uh, my conversation with Zlatan. Oh, the, yeah. the goal that Zlatan scored, he had a goal and an assist only twice. And now he has 18 goals, leads the team, and also leads the team with nine assists. Only twice have the Galaxy lost the game in which Zlatan scores a goal. So... When he scores, that's just indicative of how important he is and how why he needs to be on the field in that Minnesota game. But Zalatan made a big deal. Well, the, the team did, but Zalatan sort of jumped on board too. Talked a lot about um, 
the 500th goal and how important that was and getting that out of the way and all that. So after the game yesterday, I mentioned to him that now with one with one goal, he's at 501. He's got 499 goals to go for the next big milestone, which is 1,000. And he said he's almost there. That's right. He's um, almost there. Is, he, he's closing in on it. Uh, he, yeah. he he was in a good mood, Kevin. That was It was good to see him. I mean, and he was, an, uh, he was a positive speaker after the Toronto game as well. He was a guy who was saying that the players really should be applauded for coming back from 3-0 and making it 3-3. Ashley Cole hinted at that whenever we talked to him as well, saying this team does, doesn't give up. We're not about to give up now. You saw us come back against Toronto. Granted, the game got away from us at the end. He goes, but this team is a fighting team, and so, you know, fighting for the playoffs and sort of coming down the stretch is something they're looking at well and what did you hear in the galaxy locker room yesterday music, music. you haven't yeah. heard that in the, in the galaxy locker room for a long time it, it, this is it's something that happens in every sport when you win uh you crank up the locker room uh stereo system doesn't matter what kind of music it varies from team to team and sport to sport even but you crank it up and it's very loud and it's very difficult for journalists when they come in because our ears start to bleed um and then when you lose it's it's quiet and as journalists we're not allowed to to, to really talk, speak above a whisper and certainly you can't laugh or make any jokes because we have to be in mourning with the team which is kind of ridiculous but it, you know it's something that you do out of respect for the team so music playing was a good thing and i i, I need to hustle and, and add one more thing talking about zalatan um he mentioned at the end of last week and it, it surprises was a question from scott french where he said you see yourself being back here next year and zalatan hedged and said uh, uh, this is not the time to talk about that. We'll discuss that in the off season. Um, you know, the, you know, I've enjoyed my time here so far, and it it struck me as odd because the answer that you wanted him to give, what the team wanted him to give, and what his you know uh, the teammates probably wanted him to give is, um, yeah, I'm coming back. If he's coming back, just say yeah, I'm coming back. So the fact that he didn't say that, it kind of uh, made me curious. Is why why would if if you're saying you're not coming back, then that means a doubt. If you're talking to your wife and you you don't say if we're still married next year, I mean you're <laughs> assuming you're going to be married next year. You don't throw out throw that doubt out there. So there's a lot of times threw that doubt out there. And um, when I wrote my story, the galaxy declined to to make a comment uh, on what Zalatan said, and that. To me, that was the Galaxy don't have a defense for that. There must be some truth to it. If there wasn't truth to it, they would come back and say something to the effect of, Zalatan's locked in, his contract said, he's just kidding. Whatever it is they want to say, they didn't want to say anything because I didn't think they had a defense for that. So Zalatan throws it out there. He goes on a TV show in Sweden where he says he's had an offer from Malmo uh, and is deciding about what he wants to do next and repeats all the caveats about, we'll see after the season, now is not the time to talk about it. But again raising that doubt. Now, he was asked after the game about the Malmo offer, and he said that they make an, him an offer every year, and he said, I'm happy with the Galaxy. He didn't say, I'm happy to stay. He said, I'm happy with the Galaxy. He spoke in the present tense. He didn't speak in the future tense. Now, um, I want to say the Galaxy were very quick to push back on that and uh, immediately uh, texted me and said, well, are you going to report that? He says he's happy with the Galaxy. I never said he was unhappy with the Galaxy and and their reaction and going to Adam Serrano on social media today and getting him to quote Zalatan saying that the offer from Malmo was not a new one. Again, it raises the question, there's a lot of smoke around that fire. Um, and what does it mean? that The Galaxy's reaction to it is what really gets me going because I, it, it seems like they are really trying to get the press to say there's nothing to it, yet they won't say that on the record. Um do I think there's something to it? I don't know. I think I think Zalatan has been very unhappy this year. I think he he's never played on a losing team since he left Malmo as a teenager. 
Um, so this is a new experience for him. I don't think he likes the way the team is being run. And so I wonder what all this doubt is about. Does he want a new contract? I don't think so because he's not going to get $26 million like he got at PSG or, or Manchester United. He's got $1.5 million this year. Even if they got rid of Gio and opened a designated player spot, he's only going to go up to maybe – at the best, maybe $8 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money for me and you. For Zalatan, that's still a third, less than a third of what he got in Europe. So I don't think it's the money. Uh, it's either one of two things. It's either he wants the team to be run better and he wants to exercise some power over that, or he really is gone. Well, one or the other. Or the other thing is, as someone pointed out too, he did this with the, if you remember, he did this with the World Cup. He kept saying, am I going to Sweden? I don't know if Sweden needs me. Remember, he toyed with that and teased that. Maybe he's just doing that again. Maybe he knows he's coming back and he's just playing with everybody. That would be totally in his character because he did the same thing at PSG at the end of his time there. Yeah, and, and here's the exact Zlatan quote, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give a little response on this too. He says, uh, when did I leave Malmo? 2004. I had an offer in 2005, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So that is their offers. I belong to the Galaxy, and I'm happy here, so there is no interest in talking about it. I belong to the Galaxy. Uh, I'm happy here. There's no interest in talking about it. I will say but this: that's present tense. That's, that's it present is. tense. It absolutely, and it's not. It's it's not that I'm happy with the galaxy. I'm happy here, and I belong to the galaxy. So I can't really even talk about this because the galaxy have my contract right now. So this is not something I'm going to talk about. Doesn't mean that it won't be something that's not dis that's discussed in the in the off season. Um, and all that stuff. I, I agree with you. I think that there is a chance that Zlatan Ibrahimovic decides to go. I also think there's a chance this is for money. And I know you you sort of dismissed it. I'll tell you this. From reading his biography um, and, and really just trying to figure out what he is, he is sort of a... He's a guy where money seems to justify a lot of things. Obviously, the goals justify it. Uh, anytime he scores 500, or anytime, whenever he scored his 500th goal, Kevin, he was talking about you know sticking it to the critics. And he, I, I think he uses his awards, um, his salary, and everything as justification for how good a player he is. Um, and right now, he's on a team where he is clearly the best player, uh, and he's making $1.5 million, and he sees a guy who, like Giovanni Dos Santos, who, who has played in 13 games this season, who's making $6 million. I have to imagine Zlatan doesn't, doesn't take that lightly in terms of that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zlatan is gunning for, you know, more money. Uh, because quite honestly, there isn't a designated player, uh, probably in Major League Soccer, and certainly not on the Galaxy, that I wouldn't trade to keep Zlatan Ibrahimovic on the LA Galaxy. So uh, you could you could get rid of Jonathan Dos Santos, you can get rid of Giovanni Dos Santos, you can get rid of Roman Alessandrini. There's not a guy I, w that I don't think that you could possibly keep to justify losing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in my opinion, especially on the Galaxy. So I think, yeah. I, I, I think you hit on something there. Um, I, I think from what I've been able to gather, just watching body language, those kind of things, I think Zlatan respects Jonathan and thinks he's a good player. I think he thinks that Roman Alessandrini has something to offer and is talented. I, I don't think he's totally happy with his work rate and and uh, the fact he doesn't track back on defense and do some of the things the coaches want him to do. But I don't think he has a big problem with Alessandrini. I do think he does not like or respect Gio. That's just a, a guess. He's never told me that. But just watching the body language, he, he thinks Gio is a tremendous player, as everybody in the world does. He thinks Gio has a world of talent. But I think he's frustrated by the fact that Gio, for all of his talent, and, and Zlatan sees what he can do in training, is not on the field enough. And I think that might be what you're talking about. I think he looks at that and says, I'm getting 
one fourth of what this guy is getting. And it's not about the money. They could be making, you know, Geo could be making six dollars and Zalatan could be making a dollar fifty. And it's still the fact he's getting, you know, uh, one fourth of what Geo is getting. And I think it's the respect. And you're right about Zalatan. He he cares about money because of what the respect that's attached to it. Nobody respects the minimum wage guy. Everybody respects the billionaire. So it's the respect thing. And I have met few athletes likes a lot on that. The first time I spoke to him, he said, I've won 32 trophies. And, and he was right. And then he talks about how many goals he scores. He knows how many goals he scored. There's actually some statistical charts that that challenge his total. But Zalatan appears to know all the records he won, where he won them. He knows when he's won scoring titles. He can recite that stuff off the top of his head. And he's generally right. So he definitely uh, pays attention to what he's won and what people have given him. And so money is a thing. If I were to bet on this, I would guess that he's playing with everybody as he did around the World Cup. Um, that he's probably going to be back, but he's going to tease this out for as long as possible because he has fun doing that. He loves to watch us scurry to our computers and send out tweets about what he's going to do next. And he really enjoyed that up uh, leading up to the World Cup. Um, there was some speculation from a journalist I talked to in Sweden that this is, again, for promotion of some of his sponsors in Sweden, which is what the whole World Cup thing was about. That could be part of it, too. If I was a betting man, I would say that he's going to come back, but that um, – uh, you know, a, a lot of this is just play, but I, I, I'm also not going to dismiss just because the Galaxy have pushed the 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 uh, what, what the, the idea that we should dismiss it. That makes me think all the more that there's something to this. Yeah, and it could again. You know, I, I think you and I do a good job. And listen, we have to talk about rumors a lot, and we have to talk about speculation. And it's stuff that we tend to base in fact, and that's really where we try to build some of the stuff. We take Zlatan's own words, Kevin. We uh, we look at and understand facts that are that are stuff that we've received, you know, on background or behind the scenes or from sources, and we put those together in order to connect dots. Um, you know, I've been told by the Galaxy that my speculation is off on some things. Whenever, especially whenever Siggy Schmidt was fired. Um, that they couldn't possibly be that there was a disconnect in the front office. Um, I think that my speculation was probably closer to right on, but nonetheless, that's what I'm, I was told that I was incorrect on something that wasn't even fact-based or related. It was, I'm trying to connect the dots. Here's my clear speculation on the, on the idea, and you still get pushback on some of the stuff, and I feel better about that now than I did when I tweeted it. So well, yeah, here's another thing you want. Here's another thing I know you want to speculate on involving a European. Jurgen Klinsmann was sitting with Chris Klein yesterday at the game. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I love how people took my tweet and they just ran with it, Kevin. I mean, somebody tweeted at me and showed me the picture of Jurgen Klinsmann sitting with Chris Klein in in the Galaxy box uh, there on the sidelines, and I was like, I was like, oh. That's interesting. And I said, so let's just let's just tweet it out. Now, I am perfectly well aware that Jurgen Klinsmann has been at many games this season. Um, Jurgen Klinsmann is a SoCal native. He uh, he hangs around my neck of the well, woods in Orange County. Native. Or he not a native, but... Uh, yeah. Well, actually, you know, he's been here long enough, Kevin. He may consider himself from California. What do you think? He's a resident. He, he loves he loves the California way of speaking. He tries to work that into his conversations, and he, he sometimes messes up. And with the German accent, it's actually kind of adorable. <laughs> no, so I mean, he is he is from around here and down in Orange County. Um, there's been uh, many rumors and and actually facts that Jurgen Klinsmann used to play in men's leagues under a different name uh, down here in Orange County and and around uh, Southern California. Um, so a whole bunch of things. So Jurgen Klinsmann has been at games before. Uh, he was sitting next to Chris Klein, and so uh, it's certainly interesting. 
interesting as the LA Galaxy are looking for perhaps a general manager, perhaps a technical director, perhaps a head coach, perhaps somebody to take all those roles, that you have a guy who is a well-known coach or internationally renowned uh, that lives right here in Southern California that was sitting in the box with the president of the LA Galaxy. I mean, that's it. That's it, right? I mean, it's just a coincidence, but it could be something more than that. Well, a couple of things. First of all, they weren't sitting in the box. They were sitting outside the box. They came out in the box. And the luxury boxes, you can stay inside and watch the game just fine. There are chairs in there, sofas and everything. And you can see the game just fine from in there. Or you can open the windows and come out and sit in the exposed seats, which are outside, where everyone in the crowd can see you. The fact that they both sat side by side in the seats where they could be seen by the public, they knew that the photos were going to be tweeted out. Now, they may not have cared but you can also read into that that there there was some sort of a message. Whether the message was, um, hey, Mr. Coach, whoever that might be, who to whom we've already offered this job, look, I'm talking to you again. You better make your decision up. Or it could be just planning the idea. Or, again, it could be nothing. And the, the Galaxy are so tone deaf, they don't realize that that thing's going to be tweeted around the world and have Jeff Carlisle and everyone else write stories about it. Um, so, But that's unlikely. The Galaxy are a little bit better than that. Um, so I think they knew that the pictures were going to be seen. Now it's just, do they care or not? Jurgen got $2.6 million from U.S. soccer at the end of his career uh, there. I don't see him taking an MLS coaching job, which I don't know what those coaches get, but they don't get $2.6 million. I would guess they get a very small fraction of that. Even the best coaches like Ziggy and Bruce probably didn't get that much. So Jurgen would have to take a huge cut in pay. He wants to be a national team coach. He's talked, he's uh, learned Spanish because he wants to go to, to South American coach there. He's been apparently talked to by some national federations. I think that's where his, his interests lie. I don't think he's a good fit for the galaxy. However, I know that Ziggy did a cursory interview when the, before the team hired Anafo, and, and Ziggy told me he didn't think he was going to get the job, and he thought that it, exactly what it was. They just wanted to have a list of candidates they talked to. Ziggy didn't take it seriously. He didn't think the team did, but the, they talked, and there was an interest, and there was a short list of coaches they talked to, and Ziggy was on that list. So when they wanted to replace Anafo a few months later, Ziggy all of a sudden became a serious candidate. I could see that happening. I could see these two teams talking. I could see... Uh, you know, Jurgen and, and Chris Klein having some informal chats about what what Jurgen thinks the team should do, and maybe even a cursory interview. And then, if they don't get the candidate they want, all of a sudden Jurgen becomes a finalist. I don't think they're in that stage yet. I think they've got a number of other people they're going to talk to. Cal Porter, Chris Klein's college roommate, was one guy I think was on their short list or should have been. Um, he's apparently talking to San Jose already. So I think the Galaxy feel like there's a little bit of. Uh, uh, urgency to uh, at least get this process started. Greg Berthalter, probably the guy they really want, is already ta- you know is the the favorite for the U.S. soccer job. Or, so or is he? Some urgency. Or is he? Because now we hear Oscar Perea may have been uh, interviewed by the U.S. men's national team. Of course, the head coach for FC Dallas. Um, well, so- yeah, interviewed, but I I, yeah. I I think that's a really good person for them to interview. Um, naturalized U.S. citizen. They said that he has to be fluent in, in English, which he is, but I think he prefers speaking Spanish and still speaks to a lot of players in Spanish. So that's a very good – Oscar is a very good person for them to interview. I don't think that makes him the favorite. I, th- I still think Berhalter might be the favorite. But certainly if U.S. soccer loses Berhalter, they have a very good if – he, if he is a fallback candidate, and I don't know who the favorite is, but that is a very good candidate. And we know that U.S. soccer, because Ernie Stewart told us this, U.S. soccer is not going to interview anyone just to interview them. They're going to interview a very, very, very tight circle of candidates, maybe only one. 
Uh, we know that Oscar has been interviewed. Maybe he is the favorite. Uh, if that happens, I expect the Galaxy to move at warp speed after uh, Greg Berhalter. Yeah, I was going to say, that's that's sort of the whole tipping point there is. And I talked a whole bunch about this on Thursday. Uh, went over the, the Sporting Kansas City model of how uh, Peter Vermees sort of implemented the long-term plan, how the Galaxy need to implement the long-term plan. Uh, I think it was probably one of my better podcasts, if I say so myself. So if you missed that uh, last Thursday's live show, uh, go back on your podcast, go, wa- go listen to that and sort of hear how that all plays out and how San Jose could really be forcing the LA Galaxy's hand. There are going to be other teams possibly in the coaching hunt or for a general manager hunt. So you're talking about the Galaxy maybe playing second fiddle to San Jose as San Jose approaches and attacks some of these things. Now, I will tell you this. I've made a big deal about the LA Galaxy not being the premier landing spot in Major League Soccer anymore and that there are a lot of other places that people probably want to go because I consider the organization dysfunctional in a lot of ways right now. Um, And because of that, there's a lot of people who are going to stay away from the Galaxy knowing that it's dysfunctional. That being said... I think the LA Galaxy are a more desirable location than San Jose, which I also sort of look at San Jose as having been dysfunctional now for many years, um, uh, for, for a long time, actually, and and seeing them get rid of Dominic Kinnear, uh, go through another coach already, um, seeing general managers change and, and do some different things that San Jose may be just as dysfunctional as the LA Galaxy, and if you're going to put them on an even playing field in terms of their dysfunction, the Galaxy probably <laughs> went out on that in terms of uh, you know being a better landing spot. But Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, when you start looking at the coaches that interview, if we, we see some of the top name coaches go to other teams and they're not linked to the Galaxy, I mean, realistically, you look around MLS right now, um, just quickly, you know, Atlanta would be a better place than the Galaxy. I think maybe New York City or the Red Bulls, although New York City has that, that Manchester City hanging over them. That might be a difficult place. Maybe Toronto. And then Kansas City has such great training facility. And maybe you can say that about Real Salt Lake, Seattle. Basically, what I'm trying to say is about a half dozen teams that I would consider to be on first tier with the Galaxy. And if you have guys like um, like Caleb Porter, who is uh, presumably a, a Galaxy target, and they're talking to, to uh, San Jose or other teams and not talking to the Galaxy, at least not publicly linked to the Galaxy, that's a sign. You know, we have heard uh, from other reporters that general managers and, and coaching candidates out there are saying that the Galaxy is kind of on their no-fly list right now because they, they don't really sense that the Galaxy has a direction. And, you know, that that could work to the advantage of a guy like a Greg Berhalter who's going to come in and say, if you want me, I got to run the whole show. Don't, you know, I, I got to be in charge of everything. And if you don't want to do that, I'm not coming in. It, it, basically, that says I have no confidence in the front office. Yeah, and if it's going to be Greg Berhalter and you're looking at timing, you have to wait for the season to be over for that to happen as well. So, I mean, there's a whole... We we talked on Thursday about how you know the timing is important. Where if the Galaxy are going after somebody and their prime candidate is somebody who is not attached to a team right now, that doing it now sooner rather than later, or going after a general manager now sooner rather than later, and we threw out uh, Ali Curtis is probably a high level possibility for the Galaxy to bring in a general manager and then go in and bring in an international coach or bring in somebody like Caleb Porter, um, who says that he likes to work with GMs, and so you have Ali Curtis and Caleb Porter as your as sort of your guys. You're going to want to hire the GM first because you want the GM to have some input on the coach and understand how that all happens. So timing wise, if it's going to happen quickly, it's either a coach who doesn't have a team or you're looking at a GM. And if it's going to be somebody like Greg Berhalter, who is already with the Columbus crew and who will have to stay with them until the playoffs are over, that's not going to get announced until uh, that season for the, for the Columbus crew is over. 
Um, so that's that's just keep an eye on the timing. It's not always that the Galaxy are, are falling behind or they're slacking. If they have a plan, which I'm not sure that they do, and I'm probably giving them way more credit than they deserve right now, if they have a plan, they may have to wait for some of this stuff. And U.S. soccer, too. I mean, they may not be able to talk to, uh, maybe not even able to talk to Greg Berhalter, much less announce him as the coach. I mean, I think that would be a really poor thing if they did that, announce him as the coach while the team's still in, a, in the playoffs. Um, that would not be good timing. And I think Ernie Stewart is prepared to wait. He said, uh, he did say, you know, the, the candidate will be announced before the end of the year. He knows when the NMLS Cup is held. So, you know, that's part of it. What if Dominic Kinnear wins, wins out? What if he wins the next four games and gets the team into the playoffs? How can you then turn around? I mean, even if it is Greg Berhalter, I think that would be really tough to say. You just did the impossible. Um, here's your here's your your pink slip, and we'll see you later. Yeah, no, I mean it could happen. Listen, um, if Greg Berhalter comes in, maybe Dominic Kinnear can stay on as an assistant coach because that that wouldn't be a horrible thing either. So anyway, but you, you just have to look at all those things. There's there's so many things that are going to happen here before the end of the season. Granted, the Galaxy's still trying to make sure that their season lasts as long as possible uh, as we get down again. Just four games remaining. I, I was. It's always about this time, Kevin, where I sit here and go, how is it possible that there have already been 30 games played this season uh, in Major League Soccer and in that not counting the U.S. Open Cup games and everything else that you know has been going on, but how is it possible there we're already 30 games into the season? It feels like they just started last week, and at the same time, I'm also like, is the season over yet? Because it feels like it's been going on forever. So one of those two things is certainly, uh, certainly going to pop up, and with the Galaxy winning, uh, it seems like they're doing their best to make sure that uh, last year was the only year that that I didn't have playoff plans uh, for the Galaxy, and uh, if they can continue it against Vancouver coming up on Saturday, uh, then they well, might be cooking with fire, Kevin. You never know. There's Stranger things have happened, for sure. Guess what else happens between now and the end of the season? Um, Sarah has a birthday. Sarah of South Pasadena. Oh, Sarah, that, I was going to say, I actually, it's today as we're recording, so it's... That's I, right. I, well, I'm, between now and the end of the season. I, I, I guess that's, that's correct. Sarah told me, uh, Sarah's one of our great listeners, uh, and comes by and says hi to us at the game all oh, the time. Oh, so she's the one. She is the one. She, she listens uh, 2,000 times, Kevin. That's what she, she just oh, keeps hitting play over and yeah. over again. But she did not come to the golf tournament. No, because she was in Toronto, um, which I, which I, of course, told her, uh, she said, she told me, uh, as we were, as, uh, as I was uh, wishing her a happy birthday, she said, um, hey, you know, I take credit for the Galaxy's 3 nothing win over Seattle, and I said, how is that possible? She goes, well, whenever I uh, made a wish for my birthday and I blew out the candles, I wish for three points for the Galaxy. And I said, okay, I think you need to set your standards a little higher than just yeah, three exactly. points three points for the set. I told her that I've wished for a date with Taylor Swift now for many years, and I don't get any. So, so she said, uh -oh. yeah, she, so she said that maybe I'm setting my goals too high. So I'm going to reel that back now. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to figure more really. She needs to step up a little bit. I need to reel it back a little bit. Well, does Mrs. Pato know about this birthday wish of yours? Uh, but with, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of of spouses, the uh, the esteemed and and, uh, and and beautiful Mrs. Panda has said that if we do have a a second mini golf tournament, that we need to invite uh, uh, Malia Emma to the because she's mini. Yes. We need to invite her to the tournament to play in the mini golf tournament. I think we'll we'll even pick up her greens fees for the mini golf tournament if she, if she comes and sings the national anthem. All expenses paid. In, that includes the greens fees, um, as long as she's uh, really close and her parents can drop her off. That would be that'd be great, and you know she can help you with your shoes and your velcro. So it would make a That's lot of right. sense. That's right. That's right. 
Her parents can play too. That's good. That's good. You you have to pay for them though. Uh, yeah, we are thinking about doing another mini golf uh, tournament, uh, a fun one. Uh, we'll do it at a different place uh, around Los Angeles. Uh, maybe looking north of the city this time instead of uh, south of the city, make it a little easier for people who are maybe in the city and uh, and north of the city to join us. Uh, we'll let you know sometime in December. It looks like I think we're going to try to do that, and and we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, we want to do it. I'm, I've been pl- I've been practicing. I've been playing a lot, um, trying to trying to get some of the, my uh, my old old moves back there. Kevin. I wasn't I wasn't happy with my uh, my four strokes uh, slashing of you the last time or three strokes was it I shot 51 or 52 I shot 52 you shot 55 so I only beat you by three strokes which is way too close as far as I'm concerned so well do you think Taylor Swift would come I, I have invited her trust me every single time she's invited to all my birthday parties she's invited to every podcast that hasn't been on one yet um, everybody uh, that's the yeah yeah that's pretty much it that's how it works I had a friend who's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan invite Bruce Springsteen to his wedding and Bruce Springsteen actually sent back the regrets card and signed it so now he has a a, uh, auto, a Bruce Springsteen autograph link to his wedding. There you go. That's you awesome. You should try that. Invite Taylor Swift, yeah. and then she'll decline, and but then you'll get an autograph picture of her. Or or I'll get a uh, a restraining order. One of the two. Either <laughs> way, I mean that's something you can frame, right? That's how that works. All right. Anyway, uh, that's where we uh, where we sit. I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Of course, happy birthday, Sarah. I wanted to make make sure I, I say it. Um, we had one more thing. I, I, I know how many, but I'm not going to say. Yeah, I I do too. She's 24, I think. 24, 25. Yeah, something like that. Um, doesn't look a day over 21 by the way um gets, i'm gonna get carded she i'm gonna carded. make sure i stay on the good side of that one uh yeah, that's it. It, uh, i think that's it i think that's all we have uh la galaxy will play against uh the vancouver whitecaps coming up on saturday uh you and i will are you gonna be there or you're not gonna be there you're, you're no, missing oh you know where i'm gonna be where i'm gonna, gonna be, be in vancouver but it's not i'm not doing opposition research i'm actually um, taking Mrs. Panda. Well, Mrs. Panda's taking me. We're going together. How's that? <laughs> On a little short vacation. The, this, this is my post-World Cup vacation. This is how long I've had to wait to do it. And this is no slight on the galaxy. We made these plans a long time ago. Um, the unfortunate part with soccer is it, when you also have to write about the European leagues and everything else, there really isn't uh, a time to take a vacation. This looks like the best time because if the galaxy make the playoffs, I'll be back in plenty of time, well-rested for the playoffs, um, so yeah, we are going, uh, out of the country, going to Vancouver, uh, and we'll miss the game, but maybe it'll be on TSN up in Vancouver. I'm, I'm sure you can find it. There's absolutely no chance at all that Mrs. Panda is going to allow me to watch that, but we'll be up there. All right. Sounds good. So, uh, we'll certainly, uh, keep an eye on uh, that. I will be there this weekend. So please stop by, say hi. Uh, I look forward to seeing all of you again, uh, the top of section 108, the bottom of the press box stairs. We were there at halftime almost all the time. And there was a large contingent of, uh, of Panda and Pato supporters there for the, uh, for the halftime. So we were, it was great catching up with everybody at this. Seattle game. Um, I witnessed the meeting of two Pams, uh, two two uh, fellow podcast listeners, both named Pam, uh, had never met each other before, and it was Pam uh, meets Pam. So I got to introduce them. Pam, this is Pam. Pam, this is Pam. There you go. Uh, both Pam. So it was it was nice to see that as well. So lots Pam, of fun. Duh. Pam, duh. Of course. Great job on that one. Uh, by the way, we made a pun- uh, Larry made a punny joke uh, in his headline on the Corner of the Galaxy website for his article on Dan Starris and Dave Romney and everybody accused you of writing it. That's how... That's oh, how. what did it say? Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Starris and Romney play central role in Galaxy victory. So oh, I we, like it. I'll, I'll take credit for that. Yeah, you, I, I remember helping Larry on that now yeah, that you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, nice try. Nice try. Larry gets that one. So anyway, that's what we got. Alright, Kevin, anything else? You good? 
No, I'm going to tweet out thanks to Larry on that headline, though. Yeah, just hashtag Larry Morgan, not on Twitter. That's how it works. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, head on over to Twitter at kbaxter11. Follow him at latimes.com. All of his writing on all the soccer in Southern California and covering the United States, the U.S. women's team, the U.S. men's team, uh, European soccer sometime as well. So make sure you follow Mr. Kevin Baxter at the latimes.com. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com where you can read all of our articles, our recaps, listen to, to these shows and all the other stuff that we have. So a bunch of stuff on over there, cornerofthegalaxy.com. And, of course, uh, we'll be out and about this weekend. Hope to see everybody there on Saturday. I'll be there, no panda, and maybe I'll see you at the season ticket holder event on Sunday as well. So I'll be around. Uh, for Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself, I'm Josh Guessman, Pato. And you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everyone.